0: You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamie. And Jason Bailey.
1: Bump is uh, pretty good.
0: But the reality is...
2: They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that
1: with myself every night.
2: Every day, anything we do, it's Southern Miss To The Top.
3: What's going on? What's happening? How what are you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey here with your break. From all of the high resource five propaganda to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. I'm Jamie Errington. With me, as always, Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason.
2: Greetings and salutation, everyone. Uh, this should be a cool episode, man. We got a got a couple things kind of out of the ordinary for this thing, so uh, looking forward to it.
3: One, the, some news that just came out today: the Southern Miss men's basketball schedule was released. Uh, A couple of notes from that schedule release. First off, capacity is going to be limited to 1,200 fans. So, uh, you know, if you are a, I guess they're going to do it off of Eagle Club tier and Hardwood Club members is how they're going to decide who gets those tickets first. And um, they have a waiting list already ready to go for those that are, that will be waiting for tickets. They're also going to have, uh, you know, different things set up around the uh, arena, you know, hand sanitizer stations. There's going to be digital. You're going to use digital tickets instead of, you know, tickets you have to tear. Uh, Social distancing measures are going to be in place, food and safety protocols, and mandatory face coverings at all times while you're in the arena. So it won't be like football where you get to take your mask off when you get to your seat with it being indoors. uh, While you're in in the arena the entire time, they're expecting you to wear your masks. Some some interesting games, some games of notes as far as the non-conference schedule goes. As far as the home games go, Uh, non-conference December 2nd we've got William Carey December 12th we've got South Alabama and December 19th we've got ULM which actually is one of the more impressive home basketball schedules we've had in the past few years (laughs) right
2: no doubt and uh you know just looking forward to getting back into Reed Green you know and and watching any team play but you know and also on that schedule as far as away games I've got that Tulane game circled I don't know about you yeah, Wednesday,
3: December the 9th is the Tulane game, and so that's going to be one of interest given former Southern Miss basketball player Gabe Watson transferring down to Tulane. Uh, I'm sure there's no love lost there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it's a uh, decision that he made, and I enjoyed rooting for him while he was here, but now that he's gone, especially to Tulane, that's uh, that's kind of enemy territory there. And, um, you know... Uh, side note, that, that's one of my favorite places to go watch a basketball game. <laughs> uh, I wish I could go this year, but I'm sure it's going to be, you know, crazy restrictions on who they allow in and, and whatnot. But, but yeah, I've got that game circled without a doubt, just to uh, just just for that reason. Maybe next year we can go down and sit with James Carville. Yes, we did that before. Were you with us that time? <laughs> no, I
3: wasn't. You sent me pictures oh, and he was down yeah.
2: there. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So other, the basketball schedule actually, as of right now, and I say that because there have already been games canceled for this season already, uh, the first game on the schedule as of right now, Southern Miss is going to be playing at a tournament in Milwaukee, the MKE Classic. They're going to take on Milwaukee at 3 PM. That's going to take place on Saturday, November the 28th. So, Um, we will still be, I think we are, we have a football game the day before that. So you won't have to pick and choose. You can watch Southern Miss and UAB on that Friday. And then the Saturday you can watch and Sunday, you'll be able to watch Southern Miss take on North Dakota that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So, um, if you are going to go to your church service, either go to the early one or the late one and you, or you can check out, I don't know how you do it at your church. You might can check it out while you're sitting there, you know, when I'm, (laughs) When my dad was preaching, I know I probably would have tried to get away with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um,
3: some football tidbits to touch on. Uh, Corey Diaz of the new star that's been on our show uh, the past few years. He just announced today that Southern Miss will be taking on grambling next year in football at the rock. So that's another piece of the puzzle as far as next year's uh, non-conference schedule goes. Also, uh Demichael Harris had a pretty solid game this past weekend with the Ravens, two rushes for twenty eight yards, four receptions for twenty seven yards. They're getting him more into the offense. And because of his uh, contributions the past few weeks, the Colts have signed him to the fifty three man roster, so it's official. He's not going to be on a back and forth with the practice squad any longer. So that's awesome to see. Um also signing day is today for a couple for a number of sports, uh, women's basketball, baseball, uh, a buddy of mine. His nephew signed with us today in baseball, Bryce Fowler, a left-handed pitcher from Germantown. Shout out to my boy Brad Fowler on that. So curious to see uh, all the signees. I mean, it, I don't think there was any real surprises as far as baseball goes. Um, I haven't really kept up with with the recruiting on the other sports, but uh, it, it, a lot of excitement today with with signing day. So
2: we're excited about that. Definitely. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, that logjam kind of works itself out with baseball scholarships of the guys coming back and uh, and the NCAA granting the extra year. Um, but it's good to see that we're keeping this, you know, hometown talent uh, close. And it seems like every year we not that we don't recruit nationally, but it seems like some of the better players around the area are, are choosing to go to USM. So that's that's always a plus. Let's touch base on the coaching
3: search right now. You know, the two names that are probably the hottest would be um, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, given his ties with Jeremy. Um, You know, I'm sure he's going to, there's going to be some competition for his services, but as of right now, I definitely would uh, keep him in the mix. But also, I got to mention Kane Womack again, because Kane Womack's Indiana Hoosiers, undefeated, they defeated number 23. Michigan this past weekend by a score of 38 to 21. So Indiana now in the top 10 in the um, rankings across the board. So uh, even if he is not the next head coach, he is a former Golden Eagle football player. So that's pretty awesome there. But with the way this Indiana team is playing, you have to think that he's going to be more and more in the mix as the season goes along.
2: It's really weird to hear Indiana in the top 10 and not be talking about basketball. Right. You know, if that's a place where you can get stuff like that done. So um It's very, very interesting, you know. And I heard uh, I heard Chadwell this morning on ad, on uh outkick as well. So he's getting some national some national play. It's uh you know, it seems like we have a good list. Uh, I think the top three, I think most people would include Lashley in that top three, maybe. And and he's another one that's that's uh receiving a lot of praise nationally. So if you gotta have a list that includes uh, three candidates then you could definitely do a lot worse than those three candidates.
3: And how many of these schools are going to get kind of a mulligan because of COVID? How many how many of them are going to say, well, you know, we can't necessarily fire our coach after you know these circumstances. So hmm. is the is there going to be uh, more coaches available, or you know, is there going to be less openings because of everything that's gone on this year? It's really tough to say at this point, but just something to think about and consider moving forward. So it, it sounds like Jeremy's got a plan. I'm I'm curious to see as we get closer and closer to the end of the season who these names are. We need them ASAP. We need them to get here ASAP. Yes. So we can start moving forward. So let's touch base. Uh, let's start talk about the game this past weekend. So Southern Miss took on ULM. Started off. We were a little concerned about the way it was, things were going. Southern Miss muffed the opening punt, and uh, North Alabama was able to get in the end zone for their only touchdown of the game. They were able to get field goals in the second and third quarter as well, and Southern Miss was able to really pile on there at the end and come away with a 24-13 to 13 victory. Now, you look at that score, and you're going, okay, that's North Alabama. Defensively, they they played well. You know, Lowe, who started at quarterback, our third string quarterback, had you know he really only honestly and truly has had a week of experience. He's, he's, and he had a half of experience prior to this week, a week of experience of practice, you know, running with the first team. So, didn't have his best game, but still had he had some impressive runs here and there. Um, Frank Gore, 13 carries for 103 yards, and he's kind of nicked up a little bit, but he's out there toughing it out. You had Kevin Perkins, who had three touchdowns on the day, a huge game for for KP. But it was just good to finally get a win. The last home win for the Golden Eagles was, and keep in mind, this game was on November 7th this past weekend. The last time we won at home, November 9th, 2019. So it was two days less than a year since we've seen a victory in Hattiesburg.
2: That's incredible to even hear that come out of your mouth as a Southern Miss fan, Um, you know, and I don't have a good, bad, or or work on list, but I think the one thing that I took away from this game was just the player's determination. You mentioned how poorly the game started, could not have started. I mean, and after that muff punt, I think the very first pass we threw was a pick, right? Um, Down that right side over there, or one of the first place. So it couldn't have started off much worse, But um, and, and right as I was kind of screaming to the world that, the read option is not going to work. We aren't going to be able to run the ball. Uh, and you're like, yeah, we can. Uh, like the very next play, Frank Gore ran for like 40 yards right up the middle. <laughs> um, but, but, and then you, well, you hit on Perkins too, man. That, that, that one punishing run that he had where he, it's like he broke like eight tackles on his way to the end zone. Uh, he, he got the ball around the eight yard line and ran it all the way in, had like the, the fantasy game of the century with three scores. Um, but, but overall, uh, just the defensive intensity was just crazy good all night long. Uh doubling those guys up on first downs twenty three to eleven and only giving up twenty three rushing yards is just an incredible effort by the defense and, and and we needed it.
3: So and and if you if you were there at the game, you know, you were a little worried early on, and of course it was ten to ten to three UNA at the half. Um then they came out in the third, added another field goal. But what really killed us in this game was turnovers. We had four turnovers to their one. Then you look statistically. We really played a solid game defensively. They only they only got 175 yards on the day. 152 of that was through the air, and 23 of that was on the ground. So pretty much stuffed the run in its tracks. Now, on the flip side of that, this is probably one of the most lopsided games that we've had as far as a pass-run ratio. Uh, we only had 100 yards passing. But we had 245 yards on the ground. So it was kind of a grinded out type of game there. Um But it was nonetheless good to get the victory, good to give us a little positivity moving forward into the home stretch of football season.
2: Yeah, and, and nice to see uh Trey Lowe, you know, have the kind of game that he can have. And we all know it can get better, but uh, I really thought that he kind of, was a leader out there and did what he had to do. I mean, you remember that time he—he—I he, don't—it I, might have been Frank. It might have been that same run we were talking about when Frank sprung it, um, where he ran down the field like forty or fifty yards, just looking for somebody to flatten. You know? Yeah. That kind—that kind of effort, you know, is—is is leadership, and, and and I think players followed suit.
3: Well, this coming up weekend, Southern Miss back at it. Uh, that's going to be this Saturday, November the fourteenth. They will be taking on Western Kentucky. Southern Miss, two and five on the year, one and two in Conference USA. Western Kentucky, two and six on the year, one and three in Conference USA. This game is scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Central Time on the CBS Sports Network. So getting into this game today, wanted to have my buddy back from the towel rack that covers Western Kentucky sports Please welcome one of our two guests today, Ross Shercliffe. At the last time that we saw the Hilltoppers, uh, we fell to them in Hattiesburg, twenty-eight to ten last November. It was probably one of it was a big surprise for to a lot of people, but it was also one of the best coached teams that we've seen in in a while uh, in in Hattiesburg. So, how did the Hilltoppers ride that momentum into the offseason last year?
0: I mean, it seemed like it was kind of going well. I mean, I think they, they finished with a decent, you know, top half recruiting class in Conference USA, and then, you know, COVID hit. So, you know, they kept most of the staff together, and, you know, there was really not any crazy surprises, and then that hit. And it's been, you know, as you as we'll get into, it's kind of been, you know,
3: just a
0: chaos ever since
3: then, unfortunately. How has how has COVID affected this team this far this season?
0: I would you know, there hasn't I think they had two players out this past game and they didn't announce who it was, but really it hasn't been a factor. There hasn't been any games canceled, there hasn't been anything like that, but on a just practical organization level, it's killed this team. I think, you know, with the we'll get into the biggest reason this team has struggled, is because of the quarterback position and They didn't get a spring practice to kind of figure out what they had and they didn't, you know, they didn't really get, they had a delayed summer practice. So, you know, it's kind of killed them. And I think, you know, when it comes to whether it be, you know, just conditioning or just mentality wise or whatever, it's it just hasn't really worked out. And uh, you can't help but think COVID played a factor in that.
3: Well, let's talk about this offense. You know, I was listening to our press conference this week. The coach was talking about how you guys have a veteran offensive line and, and a solid running back, and then, of course, you mentioned the the quarterback position. Tell us a little bit about this hilltopper offense.
0: It's been a giant struggle this season. I think most people were pretty happy, like coming into it, like, okay, we've got four starters on offensive line, uh, you got a 1,200 yard rusher back. Um, you know, we had a 800 receiver, 100 yard receiver back who left after the second game of the season and, uh, you know, all freshman tight end. And really, you know, the offensive line's finally starting to come together a little bit and the team is actually running the ball a little bit better. But other than that, it's been a massive struggle. Tell us about your, uh, your quarterback. So they got, uh, I guess, Last year, starter, Ty Story, you know, graduated. He was a grad transfer from Arkansas. So, you know, they had, going into the offseason, most people assumed that the, uh, Stephen Duncan, who was the starter before he got hurt uh, and Story took his place, would be a quarterback. Well, you know, COVID hit, we didn't have a spring practice, and then Duncan mysteriously, you know, transfers. I think he went to FCS Tarleton State and you know we were wondering who's the quarterback going to be are we going to really ride with a you know with a unproven quarterback Well, we get a grad transfer from maryland tyrell pigron who's from he's from birmingham you know close to you guys but he you know wasn't there was never a full-time starter at maryland and i think the worst uh aspects of his game have really just come back to haunt him so you know you look at his season numbers he's you know he's got i think let's see eight eight touchdowns, no interceptions, but it just that's probably the only positive he really has he, He's touted as a mobile quarterback he really hasn't had a big game where he's taken over for with his legs i think his you know his uh season high rushing total is only like fifty five yards against middle Tennessee and it wasn't like a big play fifty five yards either. And then, you know, we've just struggled with downfield passing and it's made the offense really one-dimensional and it's kind of put the whole team just behind the eight ball, whether it be, you know, just long fields or three and outs. Uh, it's just been – it's been a struggle. And, you know, a lot of that is on program. A lot of it is on just a completely new receiving core that, you know, just hasn't performed to expectations. And, you know, people have been kind of scratching – their heads when you know a team that was sp- supposed to be a conference usa east contender just you know they just clinched a losing record last week and nothing has really gone right this season
3: well switching over to defense i believe you have uh, eight returning starters uh, our coaches say you have a really good front seven and then you had the conference usa defensive player of the week last week in d'angelo malone
0: yeah i mean i think the defense is the strength of the team that's also underperformed. I think last week was the first time they, or maybe the second time with the Chattanooga game as well, but one of only a couple of times that they lived up to their potential as a, you know, last year you guys saw probably the unit at its best where I think they had a defensive touchdown they sacked Abraham a few times. And, you know, this year, they'd kind of gotten gouged for big plays um, you know just nothing kind of went right the BYU game was a great example of playing a good team and just not you know being out physical being out hustled but you know when things are going right Malone is a disruptive pass rusher they've got an experienced front line experience uh, you know back back seven really you know all their DBs are seniors for the most part but you know until last week against fau it really hadn't clicked and even even you know with the great game they had against fau they did give up a game-winning touchdown drive for 75 yards that or the game losing in their case uh that you know kind of took some of the shine off a really great performance
3: well your second year in under tyson helton so what are your thoughts on him thus far
0: I mean, I think last season it was, you know, he was coach of the year and, you know, everything besides the Central Arkansas game to open the season, everything kind of went right for him. I mean, everybody was expecting just a big step forward this year, or you know, was expecting, okay, we really, you know, hit a home run and then it's just been a struggle this year. And I think, you know, last year bought him a lot of equity. I don't think anybody's calling for him to get fired, but... When the combination of how this team has not progressed this season, you know, his decision on the quarterback position and, you know, you know it's a weird year for recruiting, but they've only got three or four commits right now. You know, people are, you know, I think some of the shine is off of him and, you know, it's up to him to close the season strong to kind of, you know, rewrite the narrative and kind of get back on track and you could probably just write this season off as a COVID thing.
3: Well, before we let you go, any thoughts on the game this weekend?
0: Uh, I mean, I really – I know I I haven't – you know, you haven't given me your thoughts on Southern Miss. I just – you know, I was really hoping Western would get a, you know, an upset last week over FAU. They could have or should have won the game, arguably, and they could have played for a winning season. Now that is off the table, and, you know, Southern Miss, you know, is a mix of, you know, their third coach of the season. I don't really know what to expect. I mean, I, you look at their results on the season. They'd be an FCS program, kind of like Western did in a close game. And then, you know, they beat a kind of a mediocre North Texas team. So, you know, I think, you know, you've got to be worried about Jack Abraham and his ability, but I just don't know who, who really wants it in this game. You know, I give the edge to the Hilltoppers at home, but you know, maybe Southern Miss, you know, get some momentum off that win last week and it's really one of those situations where we have no idea what we're gonna get out of this game. So, you know, it's hope a I hope we have a good game and you know, for Helton's sake, you know, since he's gonna be around for a while, I hope he can get a win and at least get to that three win threshold which was, you know, where
3: Sanford was his last season. Well, I take that back. So one more thing before we let you go. We we couldn't talk Mm -hmm. Western Kentucky without talking basketball. So what are your expectations for the Hilltoppers this season?
0: I think they're kind of the same as they are every season. Um, You know, they've got basically a stacked team back with experience, with, uh, you know, I think, well, with talent more than anything. But, you know, Rick Stansberry's biggest downfall is, you know, the X's and O's and the chemistry issues. I think this is a make-or-break year for him because I guess it's his fifth season in Bowling Green, and you know last year with Bassie getting hurt, they did you know they they were a missed free throw away from winning the regular season conference title. You know you could kind of you could kind of say it was a success even though you know it didn't happen, and then you know the COVID knocking out of the tournament even being a possibility. So you know this year it's tournament or bust. So I think they've got the team. You've got Bassie. You've got on Hollingsworth, you've got a couple transfers. One, Kenny Cooper from uh, Lipscomb, who wasn't eligible last year because the NCAA's you know waiver system was messed up. You know now this year they're giving everybody a waiver. But um, and then you've got a transfer from Davidson who's supposed to be a three-point specialist who should help with their other issues. But you know with with Western, it's always about is it going to come together with Stansbury? So. You know, I think there's a lot of the fan base that loves the relevancy, the recruiting and everything else, but he just hasn't been able to put it together. And I think if if they do not put it together this season, even with COVID and all the craziness and the weird, you know, I guess back-to-back Friday-Saturday games that we're going to be playing, you know, fans are going to kind of grow tired of his uh, act. So he needs to make the tournament. We've got too much experience and too much talent to not get there.
3: That was Ross Shercliffe of the Towel Rack. Thanks for coming on the show. And as you can, as you hear, you've got two teams taking on each other. Two teams that have had rough seasons thus far. Two two teams that haven't lived up to the preseason expectations. But there's a lot of factors that have been in play. I don't really know what's going to happen this weekend. I am hopeful. Because we should have a couple of players back. I think Jack Abraham is, is looking good uh, as far as coming back from the injury he sustained against, against Rice. And hopefully Tim Jones will be back as well. So getting those weapons back on the field. Um, not, not sure about Tate Whiteley at this point, but you know, I guess we'll see who shows up on Saturday, but hopefully we'll have a few more players out there than we did this past Saturday.
2: You know, I just hope we can. I, mean, I always hope that we can get a victory, but at some point we got to stop losing to these guys, right? Right. Uh, never beat them. Well, they've been in the conference forever, and I think we've only played them three times. So at some point we got to we got to beat them. Um, you know, I'd like to say we're going to beat them when they're down this year, but I mean, <laughs> we've kind of been down since they got into the league. So, uh, I, I, I'm just I'm I I don't know if if I am. Uh, I don't know how good I feel about this weekend with so many unknowns, but I do know that it's possible. And I do know if we play the intensity we did last week, then it's more than possible.
3: You look at their schedule. I mean, they, they've had – what where they've struggled is, is putting the ball in the end zone. Um, they they fell to uh, Louisville, 35-21. Second game they lost to Liberty, 30-24, to 24, which they scored towards the end to kind of make that a little closer than it was. Then they beat Middle Tennessee State twenty to seventeen, lost to Marshall thirty eight to fourteen, lost to UAB thirty-seven to fourteen, beat Chattanooga thirteen to ten, lost to BYU forty-one to ten, and then lost to Florida Atlantic ten to six. So right now, it, you know, you look at it, they're only averaging fifteen point three points per game. Um they're giving up 27.3. On the flip side of that, we're averaging 27.9 yards per game. I mean points per game, and giving up 37. So their defense is, is is their strength right now. And the line in this game started out around eight, and now they're they are five point favorites. So the money's been going in Southern Miss's favor. Hopefully that translates to Saturday, but I would not put money on anything in regards to this game right now. No. I would not either.
2: If I did anything, I might bet the under.
3: Well, you get the, and the under right now is 48.5. So, I mean, if you have a 28 to 20 game, I mean, that's still under. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So this week is the Masters week, and uh, talking a little golf, taking it in a little bit of a different direction today. Jason, why don't you introduce us to the guest you had on this week?
2: Uh, Well, yeah. You know, I hit up Coach uh, Eddie Bresher um a few days ago with the help of our good friend uh sarah bomb kind of set me up with this interview and uh you know i, I just wanted to talk to him about you know i mean a lot of people play golf not a lot of people are good at golf but you know sutter miss has a golf team we have a nice golf facility where we practice at, and i think everybody can at least kind of identify with the sport and, and like you said being master's week we wanted to check in we normally don't uh deal with Anything outside of really the big three sports, but um, Eddie's a good guy. He agreed to do the interview, and and I'd like to have him on more often. It, 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 went, it went really well. Okay, uh, on the line now. Uh, it's a guy originally from Ponchatoula, Louisiana, former golf coach at Millsaps College up in Jackson, the uh, current golf coach for the men's team at Southern Miss, Three-time Mississippi Open champion and uh, once carted a 59 in an MGA uh, tourney. So, welcome to the line, Eddie Brisher. Hey,
1: what's going on? Thanks for having me,
2: Jason. I'm positive I just, I just, I just jacked up your last name, so I apologize for that.
1: Don't worry, it's been that way since I was
2: born. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time today, man. You know, uh, we interview a lot of people on the show, um, and you know, honestly, we kind of focus on basketball baseball football um but you know i play a lot of golf and 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 i know you got some good things going on at southern miss right now so uh get people caught up uh, how long have you been the uh head coach here at southern miss
1: so this is my third year as a head men's coach at southern miss um this is my eighth year total at southern miss i've uh, been very blessed to be here that long and you know, in my eight years that I've been here, I, I was hired as the assistant men's coach, uh, then switched roles to the assistant men's and women's. I was the interim women's coach uh, when we had a, a search going on mid-year a couple years back, and now I'm the head men's coach. So uh, I've, I've kind of been a, a chameleon that just blends in wherever they need me uh, within the golf programs. But um, it, it's, it's been a blessing. We love Hattiesburg. We love Southern Miss. Um, having both of my kids born here in those eight years since we've been in, at southern it's fantastic love the community love the university
2: and you know i can't really just skip past that that 59 that i mentioned in the intro there um, i'm sure you probably remember every shot from that day tell us a little bit about that uh, about that 59 when, when was that what was the course uh, tell us about that day
1: <laughs> yeah that that day uh as i always do my ball grew ears and i uh, started listening so um <laughs> Fortunately, it was it was a good day. Um, that was at the Mississippi, the State Four Ball that we hosted at Hattiesburg Country Club. I want to say it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Um, but anyway, it was it, it was a crazy crazy round of golf. Um, my my uh, partner at the time was uh, Philip Hine, who uh, is one, one of our four players team. at Southern Miss, and so we got on a hot streak and. Um, ended up coming out the next day, and we brother-in-lawed did pretty good, and ended up winning the tournament by I think about seven or so shots. <laughs> um, so it was a it was a fantastic way to to win a, a your, your first state football.
2: <laughs> no doubt. Um, so get uh as far as how Southern Miss has been doing this year. Uh, you guys have improved every year since you got here, but but just uh, let the listeners know just kind of how this year went. I think I think the year is finished up. Am I right about that?
1: Correct. So we're, we're actually, we just finished up our fall season. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that with golf, we are actually a year-round sport. So we play uh, a set schedule in the fall and then we're traditionally a spring sport, uh, but we do play year-round. So we'll normally do about five events in the fall, about six or seven events in the spring. Um, uh, but this year with obviously COVID hitting, things were a lot different. You know, a lot of people had to make a lot of changes to their schedule. And a lot of teams in the country did not even get to tee it up this fall. Um, wow. Of the 300 Division One teams in the country for men's golf, I would say probably 85 to 90 are, are the only ones that have gotten a chance to play this fall. So for us to be one of those teams, we were super pumped, um, wow. very blessed. And yes, yeah, even though it was a reduced schedule, we only played three tournaments this fall. I mean, we came in with the attitude, three is better than nothing. We will take it sure. and let's run with it. Um, but going into the tournaments, you know, we had, uh, we had a lot of roster stuff happening, you know, with the multiple testing of COVID. Um, you know, un- unfortunately it's something you can't control. So, you know, one week you'd have a guy out, next week you'd have a different guy out. Um, so we just had to play that by case by case, but. Um, We did not play good our first event over at UAB. Um, We were not happy at all with our result um, with that tournament. And so sitting down when we got back to town, taking a look at how we needed to structure our practice schedules to get ready for the next two events certainly clicked. Uh, We went over to Middle Tennessee, came in fifth out of 15 teams there. Um, Then we went over to Little Rock to finish the fall and finished middle of the pack, seventh, out of 15 teams but you know both of those last two tournaments were posting rounds under par Mm -hmm. um, as a team so and that's what you want you know you want to be able to get some red numbers on the board for your teammates and you know get that eagle head as high as you can on the board
2: absolutely and you mentioned some of the players there but i'm looking at the roster i mean you guys got players from all over the the world really i was going to say all over the nation but um you, you have some that look like some homegrown talent but Talk a little bit about maybe some of your international guys, uh, how you went into recruiting them um, and, you know, kind of what they think about Hattiesburg and, 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 and just how they've uh, adapted to South Mississippi.
1: Absolutely. You know, if you look at the sport of golf, obviously a lot of people realize that golf is a global sport. You know, the masters is going on this week. You've got, you know, the, the top 50 players in the world in the world rankings are exempt into the masters. So, you're looking at a sport that's got players super talented from all over the globe. And that's what we want in our program is we want to find the best athlete that we can anywhere in the world that that would want to come into our program and help us win championships. So, you know, we've had a very good stronghold in Canada. Um, That's been a fantastic recruiting ground for us. We've had Canadian national champions, uh, Canadian national team members um, that have come down to Hattiesburg and and have gotten in our program. Uh, We've got another young man from Thailand who's been a fantastic addition, was on the all-freshman team last year for Conference USA, along with another uh, freshman we got in from Canada.
2: And then we've got a new
1: guy who hasn't shown up yet uh, from South Africa. So we're starting to dip our our hand over in South Africa. Um, You know, you've got a lot of great players that have come through professional golf in that country. And so we're trying to do the same thing and emulate that at the collegiate level. So when we get on the phone and, and, you know, obviously we do fly over there sometimes to watch these kids play and see them against the best in their country. The biggest sales for us are number one, the weather. Um, you know, especially with the Canadian kids, you know, they only get to play golf five months out of the year outside. And so the rest of the time, they're going indoors, hitting into nets. That's great and, you know, fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, you cannot see the ball fly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the cost to attend is fantastic um, compared to a lot of other places. You know, so you look at cost, you look at um, the type of schedule that we play, which is, you know, we're moving all over the country. We're going east coast, west coast, north, south. Doesn't matter. We're trying to spread our head to heads out. So you got strength of schedule, you got the weather, you got the cost. I mean, it's a no-brainer, you know. Sure. So we're trying to sell that with these players from all over the world, um, and even local players too. You know, we want the best student athlete who's going to come in and help us get it done in the classroom and get it done on the golf course. That's simple.
2: Right, and you know, I want to I ask you about the the facilities. I know you guys are trying to to do some upgrades right now, um, but also, you know, I love golf. I, I I play it as much as I can, and also probably not as much as my wife lets me. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't even have any idea how to go watch you guys play. Um, I mean, do you have to have a ticket to these things? I know this year with COVID, it's kind of just, everything's different, but can people just show up? Uh, how does somebody go about if they wanted to come watch uh, you guys play?
1: Well, unfortunately, a lot of our schedule is on the road. Um, you know, so golf being such a big travel sport, um, and, you know, we're really the only, um, sport that doesn't have a, an owned, a fully owned uh, facility or, or, you know, obviously we don't own a golf course, no. um, you know, like you would say the rock or P. Taylor Park and Reed Green and such. So, you know, golf is a little bit of a unique animal, um, in that regard. So, you know, we have hosted the Sam Hall Intercollegiate in years past, um, you know, this year we unfortunately had to cancel it because of COVID and everything. So, um, I would say the nearest event we would have coming up would be in the spring. Uh, the second weekend in February, uh, right after Valentine's Day, we're going down to South Alabama to play at Magnolia Grove. Hmm. And that's an hour and 15 minutes uh, from campus. So, um, that, as far as tickets, no, there, you don't have to have a ticket. There's, it's a lot of family, a lot of friends, um and it's certainly your coaching staff and players but uh, no unfortunately we don't get uh, uh, crowds of, of 30,000 plus uh, coming to watch us <laughs> like uh, although I would love that because I think that would be fantastic uh atmosphere to have in college golf so
2: no doubt um, and you and you mentioned the uh, the practices earlier what, what exactly are golf practices like I mean I've played baseball growing up and and um And you know, like I said, I've played a lot of golf, but uh, I mean, do you guys strength and conditioning is such a big deal these days? Do you guys have specific strength and conditioning and conditioning coaches? Do you have a a regimen you put them uh, through in the off season to uh, to get them better, or is it just strictly like all you know out at Hattiesburg Country Club or wherever you're practicing that day, just working on their game?
1: Absolutely, you know. So a typical day as a collegiate golfer would be, if it was a workout day, which we do two days a week, uh, all season. We'll do three days a week. Um, but on those days we've got 6am workouts and then we'll work with our strength and conditioning coach. He sets our program based on golf specific workouts. Um, and Todd's been with us for about four years now. So he knows our programs really, really well and how to train our golfers. We'll do that uh, for an hour. Um, guys normally have practice, or I'm sorry, class all mornings, and then break for lunch and then you've normally got the afternoons to get some practice in. So and then when the sun goes down, obviously you hit the books and you start hitting the library. Uh, Cause I remember those days as a player, <laughs> um, and, but that's a typical day as, as a college golfer. Um, the hours are long, um, you know, unlike some of the other sports where, you know, Hey, we got a two hour practice. Well, you can't even warm up and play nine holes in two hours. So um, the, the hours are a little bit longer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll move around for qualifiers. You know, this fall we did say 10 rounds of qualifying, uh, for our first event. You know, we'll, I'll set the, the courses that we play, set a schedule and say, Hey boys, here's, here's the 10 rounds we're going to play. Um, we'll move around and, you know, X amount of players, you know, if you play so-and-so on, on your team. I'll set the parameters there, and you know if you're first, second, third, whatever, you're almost guaranteed to get a spot in the lineup because we only travel five of our ten players. So, you know the rest of them. I'll take a look at it, do coaches' picks on some things on on who has proven they need to be in the lineup. Um, so there, there's a lot of moving parts to it um, on on how college golf is run. As far as practice goes. I would say think of it as an athlete in in regards to training their body. Um, You know, people they will train their their chest muscles, their arms, their legs, you know, there's certain components that go into training an athlete. That's very similar with golf. You've got your, your driving, your ball striking with the irons, your distance wedges, pitching and chipping around the greens, bunker play, putting. So each day is a different component that we'll work on if we're not qualifying. Um, I'll set up some drills, and we'll do some practice stuff. Um, One day might be a short game day. Uh, One day might be a range day to work on mechanics, or we'll play – fortunately, we've got a track man, so we'll do team games on a track man, and and I'll set a a combine to where they have to to shoot a score on a test, and then we'll do a competition amongst the team, so – it's cool. it's a really really fun process. I know that's a lot, but it's it's a really fun process uh, that we have with the players' development.
2: No, it's very cool, very cool. Um, you know, you actually played in an event not too long ago. I think it was a week or two ago, hosted by Southern Miss, uh, and and had to do with baseball coach uh, Scott Berry. You hit a hole in one. Uh, on that day, so that's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I was watching John Rahm yesterday skip it across the water in the uh, practice round at Augusta, and made that hole in one. And I started thinking about you when I was doing this interview. And so you had a hole in one. I saw your picture on Facebook there. I think you won a car or something for it. I mean, tell us about that experience.
1: Absolutely, it was pretty cool. Um, so Coach Barry does the, does his golf tournament each year in November, um, or I'm sorry, late October early in November. So. I was fortunate to play on a team with, with some buddies and, uh, we get on hole 11. And, uh, it's funny, I, nobody had won the car. And I mean, the chances of that happening are, are so slim. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we get up there and I'm, I'm kind of in between clubs and, uh, look over at JD and, eh, you know, that, that is helping downwind. So, all right, I'll go with the lesser. Hit nine iron from about 160 yards, a little helping wind, hits, rolls in like a putt and we went. <laughs>
2: no doubt
1: <laughs> i mean we lost it you know it, it was i don't think there was a person at hattiesburg country club that did not hear us screaming on the left <laughs> <T-box.
2: laughs> right so um, yeah
1: the, it, it was a, a pretty unique experience to win a car for a hole in one so thank you all Matt.
2: <laughs> absolutely man that's that's, that's so cool I, I can't imagine what my wife would do my wife would probably say sell it sell it <laughs> you know but um
1: well i, I can assure you um Yes, I hit the shot, but I am not going to see the car. My wife is, uh, <laughs> she's very thankful. I'll say that.
2: No doubt. Uh, how many holes in one, uh, hole in ones have you hit in your life?
1: That was my third, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got one at Oaknold Country Club back in high school. Uh, number 15 at Hattiesburg Country Club in that, that state four ball, uh, the day that we, we ended up shooting that 59, there was a hole in one involved. Um, And then the one that just happened recently, uh, number eleven at Hattiesburg Country Club.
2: What's the what's the favorite course you've ever played?
1: Uh, Country Club Birmingham, hands down. It is incredible. Um, Rumor has it they turned down the U.S. Open multiple times on this golf course. That uh, it is it has been incredible. you can putt on the tee boxes. I mean, there it's just pristine. Hmm. Uh, but yes, the West Course at Country Club Birmingham is definitely my number one course I've ever played.
2: Okay, it's uh, it's Masters Week. Uh, who you got?
1: Masters Week? Oh goodness, I'm gonna have to say John Rahm this week. Um, I think he's a complete package. I know the spotlight is on Bryson this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like John Rahm this week. I think he's, you know, gosh, he's only a couple years removed from college golf, which is insane. Um, and he's already reached number one in the world and, you know, winning out on the global stage. I like John this week.
2: You know, I've got a couple guys that I would like to see compete. Uh, Ricky Fowler being one, but, you know, I, I think my, anybody around my age, I'm 43 years old, anybody around my age, um, Probably grew up watching a whole lot of Tiger Woods. Um, So, you know, Tiger won last year. I mean, I know it's been uh, more than a year since then. He might not be coming in with perfect form, but, I mean, has Tiger got a chance?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if there's a golf course that that Tiger can continue to compete on year in and year out, it's Augusta. Um, You look at somebody like Fred Couples and Bernard Langer, who are previous Masters champions, and, you know, no, they don't have the. Uh, they're, they're not in the prime of their game that they were at one point in life, but they still contend and compete. Um, you know, think about how many years in a row Freddie made the cut at the Masters. Mm-hmm. How many times he was in the the last two groups going into the weekend at, at Augusta. Same with Langer. Um, you know, so if, if, there, if there's a golf course that provides itself for someone who's maybe a little past their prime, it's Augusta National. Sure. Um, You know, and and, and that's the only major championship that's contested at the same golf course every single year. So the experience factor is something that plays in huge versus some of these younger guys that are coming in. Um, You know, experience is something that you can't trade for anything. So
2: right and just a couple more things coach and we'll get you out of here you know i I actually had tickets to this year's Saturday round at the masters of course you know it happens in 2020 oh. <laughs> I, i've been i've been one time before you know the only thing that's bad about uh going to a a, uh, an actual round, as opposed to a practice round, is I could take zero pictures. Right, it's tougher to get into Augusta National than it is an airport, it seems like. But um, it's something I'll never forget. Uh, if I went this year, it'd be weird, you know, no, no, uh, it, just different weather and and whatnot. But you know, I, yeah. So of course I, I I didn't get to do that. But um, you know, I was I was thinking about this. Uh, the basketball team has the hardwood club. The baseball team has the dugout club is there anything that that golf has that you have for men's golf that uh, if people want to sign up for if they want to get involved and help support the program like not only through eagle club but specifically for golf uh, is there a way that they can do that
1: absolutely so we have had a donor club for quite some time now Uh, it's called the golden tee we've compiled a database of People in the area um, that are supporters of Southern Miss golf, uh, mem- whether it be members of clubs, whether it be alumni uh, from our golf programs. We, we, we do have the Golden Tee Club, and it's pretty unique because there's different donor levels and packages, and we give some pretty sweet gear. Um, if you check out our social media for men's golf, uh, we just put some info out on some of the gear that we're going to be sending out to our donors soon. Um, but that golden key club, it, it can range from anywhere from a hundred dollars to, you know, $1,500 or, or even more if, if people had the means to give. Absolutely. Cause whether it be a hundred dollars or, or 1500, it goes a long way for our sport of golf. Um, you know, we're not a huge roster sport. It's not a sport that costs a lot of money to have. So anything makes a huge difference and we're super thankful for all of our donors, um, Any contact on that would would be through myself. It's edmund.bresher at usm.edu. If anybody's interested in joining, uh, my email address is on our website. Shoot me an email um, or look it up on our social media. I'd be happy to get a, a brochure in front of those people. All of that money from the Golden Tee supports Southern Miss golf. So that's men's program, women's program. If you want your funds to go to one specific program, men's or women's, that's fine. If you want to split, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We leave that up to the donor. Uh, But all of those funds go directly back into the golf programs and allow us to do things that our operating budget does not allow. Um, You know, recently uh, I was mentioning the Trackman. We were actually upgrading to the Trackman 4, and all of that was from donor money. Um, You know, traveling to some of these tournaments across the country training aids, um, extra equipment and things that we need being an outdoor sport, uh, premium golf balls to practice with instead of just your, your typical range balls. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff comes from our Golden Tee program. And the biggest thing that we're trying to do right now is we're trying to build a, a teaching facility. Uh, we actually have an acre of land out at Hattiesburg Country Club on the back of the driving range that we own as a golf program. And we'd like to build a 3,500-square-foot teaching facility with three hitting bays, three coaches' offices, and an indoor putting green that's 15 feet wide by 40 feet long. So, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, you know, you're an outdoor sport. Uh, You guys get to play golf year-round. We do, but when you look at springtime and how much rain uh, that we get in the spring, and how that just saturates your golf courses. Anytime you get rain or wet conditions, you're shutting the range down. Um, you know, you, you can't have practice that day if it's raining all day. Well, this facility will allow us to never, ever cancel another practice. Um, we will be able to do equipment work that we can't do right now, changing shafts, you know, fitting for different driver heads and irons and loss and lies. Uh, do an indoor work with the track man on the virtual golf. Uh, we would have all of those capabilities with this facility and how we operate and having our kids out there well beyond their required time. I mean, they'd be out there nonstop and they wouldn't even realize how much better they're getting right. um, if we can get this facility built. But, you know, we're halfway there. Our goal is 700,000 on that facility. Uh, we're halfway there right now. So we're just trying to close that gap.
2: Very cool. Um, well, man, you know, Eddie, uh, Coach, uh, thanks for all you do in, in making Southern Miss, you know, the best that it that it can be. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, Southern Miss?
1: To the top.
3: That was Eddie Brescher, a head coach for men's golf here at Southern Miss. All right, let's shut it down. Jason, do you have any shout-outs?
2: Uh yeah, I do I wanted to give shout outs to a couple of the people that came out to the game last week. Uh Chad and Roger Dickens. Uh people are familiar with the show or are familiar with, with, with Chad Dickens, but his brother Roger flew in all the way from Colorado. Um really cool to see him, got to hang out uh before the game over at Glorybound, and Glorybound was popping. Everything was fantastic, got to see a lot of fans, and also ran into our good friend Jeffrey Errington, no relation that I know of to you. Um he runs the Sippy Sports Show on YouTube. He's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> Saw him when I was headed up to the, uh, the the top terrace area of The Rock and got to hang out with him for a second and met his son. That was really cool. And, and, uh, and just a very special shout out to all of the Armed Forces uh, members that either have Southern Miss ties or don't, really, um, for all that you do and to keep us safe here in the country. And we really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, good to run into everybody this weekend. Jason Wally caught up with him a little before the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy, ha- ha- I guess, is it happy Veterans Day? That sounds kind of weird. Uh, thank you for your service, <laughs> all the veteran listeners out there. Um, past and present, uh, we really appreciate all that you do. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at jamie underscore Arrington and Jason at bumper j bailey on Instagram and Facebook as well so big game coming up this weekend western kentucky this saturday at 2 30 p.m on cbs college or cbs sports network hope you guys enjoyed it and as always southern miss to the top
1: Talk.